Hey everybody, welcome to the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off $50 or and have it straight delivered. Have it delivered straight to your door. My goodness. Let's go ahead and jump into the show. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast, powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. To work crisscrossing with Jost. Right in, turned out by Jari. That was a one on two. And Jost. The best avalanche coverage in Denver. And welcome into another episode of the BSN Avalanche podcast uh, presented by Total Beverage. I am AJ Hayfley hanging outside alongside nobody today uh, as Adrian Dater is traveling back from Canada and Jesse Montano apparently has things to do. So, I am going to be the guy uh, flying solo here today. Uh, It's been kind of an interesting day in the world of the avalanche. As the big news of the day, uh, the Avs sent down Ryan Graves and Tyson Jost. To the uh, to the Colorado Eagles of the AHL, so not going to waste very much time. We're, that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, first off, uh, Ryan Graves goes down uh, right before you know he had he had one more game he could he could play uh, safely before um, they had to start worrying about uh, his waiver status changing. Um, not. Uh, not a big surprise to see him uh, head down. He, uh, uh, you know, Nemeth and Barbario have both, both gotten healthy. And like it or not, um, those are the two guys that the, the Avalanche are comfortable with in the NHL, rotating in and out as the sixth, seventh defenseman guys. So... Uh, Ryan Graves, despite playing p- pretty well, scoring a couple of goals, uh, he is the guy sent down. Not um, not a, not a big surprise here. Not not, not anything major. Um, all of this was pretty much expected when those guys got healthy. Uh, hopefully, he goes down and he helps the Eagles' defense out. No no major issues there. Uh, I know some people, including myself, would have liked to have seen him stay. Um, I thought his play certainly warranted him staying. I wouldn't have had an issue um, had he stayed for really the rest of the year just because he played well enough to to show that he can slot in on any given night and, and help them. Uh, unfortunately for him, uh, the team did not feel that way and it was unlikely they were going to play him over a healthy Nemeth and over a healthy Barbario. Excuse me. And uh, with that in mind, instead of carrying the the eighth defenseman, they just went ahead and sent him down. Now, <clears throat> the real story is obviously Tyson Jost getting demoted today. Um, the Avalanche reduced their roster down back down to twenty one after the lengthy road trip. They're back in Colorado until the All Star break next week. We've got a short three-game stand here, a three-game homestand. Uh, they currently don't have any additional forwards and are just rocking the one extra defenseman. So, um, I'll get into that later. But that's where they stand right now. Tyson Jost goes down to the AHL. And a surprising move in that they've given Jost every opportunity imaginable. To, to try to you know win a job and and carve out a consistent role in the NHL they've put him with 
every line mate combination imaginable. They tried him out on the top line for about 10 minutes. Uh, did not like that. It just, it just was not working. And at the end of the day, that's, that's really what it came, what it comes down to. Tyson Jost in, in Denver for the avalanche. It just wasn't working. Uh, but he has spent more time on the fourth line, uh, than, uh, really any of us would have, would have really hoped, uh, his last couple of games here, uh, Toronto and Ottawa, he had less than 10 minutes played. That's not great. Um, you really, I mean, that's really, I mean, that's true fourth line status. Um, I, it's, it's pretty discouraging. You know, he had the two goal game against San Jose, uh, in what feels like a lifetime ago. Uh, and then he picked up an assist the next night in the, against the Rangers. He snagged an assist against Calgary, but that's it. That's the majority of his scoring. Uh, over the last several weeks. So, um, obviously, points have been hard to come by for Jost. He's only got 15 of them in 43 games this year. And while he was on pace to surpass his rookie season total of 22 points, he was on pace to have about a 30-point season. So, it's not, it's not like he had made a significant leap there. It just hasn't been working um his his skating was something that he needed to work on over the summer he came into training camp and it was you know we were all hyped up he looked like a different skater he felt like he felt different he felt night and day different he put in a ton of work over the summer and <clears throat> unfortunately it just it just has not translated into games uh he just hasn't been an effective nhl player at this point the demotion is going to be, you know, the demotion, it's interesting because it's appropriate that it happened in that he just has not played very well. Um, we'll see how long he's down there. Uh, I think that there are some serious fundamental issues that he needs to work on before he comes back to make it worth it going down there. I've said in the past I didn't I didn't feel like it was appropriate for him to play 100 NHL games and then go down in the AHL and try and figure things out. Um, I'm not sure what the AHL is going to do for him at this point outside of just confidence and, and remembering that he's good at hockey and and that, you know, once upon a time he was viewed as one of the one of the better young players around the league. And it wasn't really that long ago. We were talking a year and a half ago. This guy, you know, when he when he came out of North Dakota, he people were so hyped on him, and for whatever reason, it just it just has not translated, has not worked. Uh, there's not a lot of grit in his game right now. There's there's a lot of passivity. When he has the puck, he doesn't have an aggressive mentality. He's not attacking anything. He just seems to be drifting into spaces. Um, his, <clears throat> his skating certainly is not allowing him to, to get to pucks and to win battle when foot races to battles. Uh, there was a moment last in last night's game against Ottawa where he got caught from behind on what would have been a pretty good scoring chance. Uh, you know, now he got caught from behind by Duchesne, who's <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty fast. So... You know, it's it's one thing to get caught from behind, and and then you know, okay, well, it's Duchesne. So how much how much credence do you give it that you know he got caught from behind in that moment? But it was just it, the 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 real the real truth of it was that it was another scoring chance that he should have been involved in that he was not that the play ended up dying on his stick and, and nothing came of it. And that unfortunately it's happened too many times this year. I mean, he only has six goals this year and while his shot generation hasn't been terrible, he's got 64 shots in 43 games this year. It's, it hasn't been good enough. Um, they, they wanted him to work on, you know, they, they, they wanted him to, to take a, a, a role here. 
earn, you know, they've had secondary scoring problems. They That's what they needed from him this year. They really needed him to step forward and to win a job. And unfortunately, I mean, it just, it just hasn't happened and everybody has seen it. And, you know, I think there's, there's been some good process along the way. I usually see one or two things a night from Jost that I, I really like in how he's playing the game and how he's reading the game and, and, Certain little things that he does, he makes some he makes some really nice, smart, slick passes. And you know, they don't when they don't get finished for anything, you know, it's 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 tough to be too excited about, oh, that's great, good for him. But it's a frustration that it just doesn't nothing nothing seems to be clicking with him right now. Every variance of of, of line mate that he's had has ultimately just not had any kind of sustained success. It's just it's just been one of the more frustrating aspects of the season for Colorado. You know, coming in this year, it was they needed to see what they really had in some of their young guys. They needed to to figure out kind of who they who they were, you know, the the Confers, the the Jost, the Andragetto, the Kerfoot types. Who are these guys? What are they? What are they bringing to the table? What do they? What do they have? And it's just, in terms of Joe, at least in terms of Jost, there have not been significant steps forward there, and it just hasn't been good enough. It's it just hasn't been good enough, and I understand where the organization's coming from. Hey, let's do this before it's too late. Let's let's get him in here and see how this goes. Um, it's just it's a frustration, you know. Next to next to Kerfoot and Wilson, they had the the Jost Kerfoot Wilson line together for a while. They had some success. They did pretty well, uh, but it 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 was not consistent enough, and they ju- they they were unable to provide a consistent secondary scoring threat they could take over games um and it just it 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 was not good enough and then lately they have found some success with uh Comfer and Soderberg and Wilson as the second line I think we'll probably see some variants of that moving forward um and that 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 really left Jost on the outside looking in because Nieto and Calvert are really kind of entrenched uh, on that third line there. Uh, although I don't I don't think with Kerfoot in between them, that's a line that's going to see much in the way of real success. But that's not the point right now. Point is, Jost was not it was not working with him and. There was no point in playing him on the fourth line. I'm assuming Bedner and the front office have had some sort of conversation where they basically, Bedner basically said, "Look, I can't play this guy in the, in a in a role that's going to allow him to develop the way that you guys want. If you guys want him um, just on the ice a bunch, he needs to go do it down in Loveland with the Eagles. And hey, you know the Eagles are going to get a a boon hopefully to their forward core. I mean, you have to believe that Tyson Jost can help them." Um, so that's, that'll be something. What I find interesting is that there was, and I'll get into this in the next segment here, uh, there, nobody came back the other way today. Uh, we'll talk to Jared Bender after practice tomorrow and see kind of if there's any sort of plan or what is going to happen with that. But, um, it's tough. They're just, they just ran out of time. Uh, they ran out of patience. And Jost essentially ran out of a, a roster spot. And, you know, with, with that reality, uh, it's it makes sense to drop him down. This needs to not be for... If this ends up being for, like, two weeks <laughs> and he goes down there and, and plays well and whatever, um, I don't know that it will be very meaningful. He needs to go down there and make some fundamental changes. He needs to really grind away and work hard. On a, on a number of different things. This has to be tough for him. Uh, you know, he's... He's a very cerebral young man. And this... 
you hope that he responds to this well and that he bounces back in a meaningful way. Um, but you never really know. We'll see. This probably isn't the last of the, that we've seen of Tyson Jost, uh, but we'll uh, we'll see, we'll see how he does down with the Eagles. Uh, hopefully, he's there for a little while to really work on some of the issues that he needs to get to get ironed out. Little he needs a little bit more consistency in this game. Uh, he's got to play with a little bit more. He's he's capable of playing with a little more grit than he has been. He's been tissue soft this year, and that hasn't been good enough. Uh, his skating, his skating, just it has not held up. Uh, it's still, it's still a work in progress. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed. I thought that after he came back from injury earlier in the year, he was looking so good night in and night out, and it lasted two weeks, and it ended up just not, just not working out. So. A, a disappointing day for for Jost, and you know we'll we'll see what he does down with the Eagles. I'm gonna go ahead and take my first break here. Uh, come back on the other side. I'm gonna get into a little bit of what that means for the Avs roster moving forward. What it kind of looks like. Um, you know, some of these some of these guys look like they're here to stay uh, for a while. Obviously, with the trade deadline coming up here in a month, that that could change. But for right now. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take that first break. I'm going to pay a quick bill or two here and tell you guys about some game-changing coffee that we are big fans of at the BSN offices. Uh, Strava Craft Coffee is a CBD-enriched coffee that's really changed lives. The reviews are incredible. Make sure that you check them out. It's, ta- it's taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive, and the coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today. Receive 20% off when you use promo code BSN2018 at checkout. You'll get it shipped straight to your door. That does it for me for the first segment here. I am AJ Hayfley. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Beverage. I'll be right back. Now offering buy one, get one on all 75 Colorado craft beers from more than 50 breweries on tap when you mention BSN, the Colorado Keg House is still the only place to watch the game. It's pretty cool. You walk in and there's a, it's, it's this big bar right in front of you and you know, it's every, all these beers are on tap. They give you this huge menu and you're able to just flip through it. Anybody, anybody that likes any kind of beer, especially made in Colorado, is definitely going to be able to, to find something that they like. Uh, you know, personal favorite of mine is the, the Apricot Blonde from Dry Dock Brewery out in Aurora. With NHL Game Center and NFL Sunday Ticket on 27 HD TVs, you're sure to never miss a second of your favorite team. And just when you thought the Colorado Cake House couldn't get any better, they now serve Colorado Spirits. Off Wadsworth and 36th and Broomfield, right next to the First Bank Center, it's the Colorado Cake House. Welcome back in. Segment number two here, the BSN Avalanche Podcast, presented by Total Bev. I'm your host, AJ Hayfley, here talking about Tyson Jost's motion to the AHL. What's next for the Avalanche? What's next for him will be determined by him. So, uh, what's next for the Avs? Um, as of right now, they are, like I mentioned in the first segment, they are rocking 12 forwards. That means our top line, second line continue to be the same. Third line looks like it will probably be Kerfoot between Nieto and Calvert. The fourth line go will continue to be this island of misfit toys as uh, Sven Andragetto, Sheldon Dries, and Gabriel Bork slots back into the lineup. Um, that's, of course, barring any changes, which, of course, are still possible to be made before the game on Saturday at 1 p.m. Just This is just the situation as of tonight. So that's where we are. Um, is this lineup good enough? Uh, I'm of the opinion the answer is no. I think they can win some games. I think they can get to the postseason. Uh, but I think that the continued overuse of guys like Nieto and Calvert is an issue. I would rather see there be more of a third line. <clears throat> a third line that can get up and down the ice and score a little bit. 
Um, we haven't really seen a whole lot of that from Calvert and Nieto. Uh, although, I mean, Calvert had a sweet goal against Ottawa taken away for some nonsensical reasons. So that's just great. Um, but Alexander Kerfoot is sort of the seventh forward in a six forward lineup here. Um, I, I don't really know what to do with him at this point. You know, early in the year, it looked like, hey, this guy's scoring is legit. He's the real deal. He's going he's gonna to be able to make it happen. Um, the, the, more, the more predictable thing in, in Kerfoot's sophomore year is that he's gone from 19 goals in 79 games to 7 in 42 games. Nowhere near that same pace. Um, the big, the big difference obviously is that he's shooting 11% now instead of the 20 plus that he had last year. So it's not a huge shock that, that Kerfoot, the goal scoring has gone down. You know, the assists have gone up a little bit. Um, his 82 game pace, uh, would have him just under 50 points would have him improving upon his 43 points. Uh, in his rookie year last year, but not a significant improvement overall. I think we kind of have an idea of who Kerfoot is at this point. Uh, he's going to be a guy that's he's going to be defensively challenging. His work in the faceoff circle this year has gotten a lot better, so leaving him in the center of the ice is at least a conversation worth having. But he certainly isn't going to fill any kind of third line like grinder checking line type of role. And now you've got him centering two players in Calvert and Nieto who are designed for exactly that kind of job. Um, I'm not sure what you do uh, without without calling up another forward, uh, making making some some changes here. I don't, I just, they're stuck here at the bottom of their lineup. The fourth line hasn't been any good. Uh, for a while now, it hasn't produced anything meaningful uh, in quite a while. It just it just hasn't worked. Um, Sven Andrigetto is an, basically an offense-only player who isn't producing offense. You know, uh, he's got six points this year. And, you know, un understandable, 28 games played, and he's been playing limited minutes, so... He hasn't been getting the same kind of opportunity uh, to to score like he has previously, uh, but the scoring is down quite a bit. It's everything is down, and while I like uh, what he's bringing to the table, uh, his shot generation has always been pretty good. Uh, he's a guy that that hangs around. He gets close to two shots per game. And that's that's pretty impressive given uh, given the role that he's had this year. It's impressive that he, you know, is is producing that many shots, and he produces way more shots on goal than a guy like Sheldon Dries. Um, you know who and and Dries is an interesting guy. He's playing fourth line center here. Uh, he hasn't had a point since November fourteenth against Boston. Now, obviously, he got sent down. Uh, for a while there, um, in no in November between November and December, and then he came back, and has pretty consistently played since then. But he hasn't broken the ten minute mark uh, since November twenty third at Arizona. That's the last time he played more. He played more than ten minutes. I mean, it's the last time he's he's gotten close at nine forty four, but that's it. And He's just he's just not producing any. There's nothing happening there in the in the ice time that he's getting, you know. And and he was a guy that had produced a little bit when he was playing more minutes, but he was also playing on the wing. He wasn't spending all of his time at at center. Um, I'm just I'm just not sure that this this alignment down the middle for Colorado right now is is something that they can continue to do. Obviously, this is where the Kamenev injury. Uh, has has hurt them, um, but you still have to be. I mean, for your third and fourth line centers to be Kerfoot and Dries, that's real small. 
and it's not physical, and it's not hard to play against for other teams. Um, you hope that Kerfoot's skill makes other teams miserable, but when a skill guy who is a pass-first player like Kerfoot gets put in between guys like Calvert and Nieto, who, I mean, Calvert, Kerfoot, and Nieto, that's that's a, a trio that can at least skate pretty well. They can get out, and they can get up and down the ice and make life miserable, but that's about it for the positives with that trio. Um, I'm just, I'm not sure that they can continue on with, with, they need, they need something. They need to make a change somewhere. They need to go find a guy uh, somewhere, somehow that can, that can help them out. Um, I, I think they're, they're at the point now where they, they really do need to look around and see if they can find another guy because, uh, as effective as Colin Wilson's been this year, and I've liked his game, uh, he's produced for them. You know, he's got 14 points, got eight goals for them this year uh, in 37 games. It's it's been there's been a lot of good from Colin Wilson this year. I think they certainly missed him in the lineup, um, but I think he's more of a guy that's he's really better suited towards playing on your third line. Uh, instead of trying to be relied upon for top six, I think that's also true of JT Comfer, whose scoring has uh, pretty predictably slowed down as the games, you know, the games have gotten, he's gotten into more games. Um, it hasn't been like the, the barrage it was at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, he's only got one, one assist in his last five games. Uh, he's only got three assists in, in his last nine games. So three points in his last nine games. That's a problem for me. Um, and he's getting he's getting legit minutes. Um, you know, he's played over 20 minutes five times in those nine games. And one of those games that he didn't, he had 19.59. So 20 minutes in essentially six of those games. Um, the last two games, he's been at 17 minutes against Ottawa and against Toronto. And honestly, I just, I don't think he's played very well, uh, to be honest with you. I just, I don't know that he's a guy that can give you second line production. There's no better option right now, so it's it's fine to leave him there. Um, but when you've kind of exhausted all of your options and... You just don't you you don't have anything else right now. Uh, there's there's no longer an internal solution that that makes sense. This year was all about hey, which of these guys take steps forward? Which of these guys improve? Which of these guys earn jobs and roles and all that? And unfortunately, there haven't been very many steps forward from the guys you were looking for. You know, Kerfoot's taken maybe a minor step forward. Um, in his all-around game, but the the point production still is not where you want it. Uh, it's fallen off heavily. Uh, Comfer, you know, again, as I just discussed, the, the the scoring started out great, but again, has slowed considerably. There's there's really kind of several tiers in this team scoring right now, where you have obviously the top line, uh, and then you have Tyson Berry. And then after that, you've got Carl Soderberg. And then in a, in a different tier, you kind of have Kerfoot, Comfer. Uh, and then after that, you've got Calvert, Wilson, Nieto, Johnson, Gerard, blah, 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 blah. And I got into the defense there. Um, you know, Sam Gerard is another guy uh, who is offensively, there just ha there hasn't been nearly enough this season. Um, he hasn't one point in the last month. Yeah. Sam Gerard had an assist against San Jose. And that is the only point he has had, uh, since November 30th when against St. Louis, well, November 28th against Pittsburgh, he scored a goal and, um, with the November 30th game against St. Louis starting there, I don't know how many games that is. It's a lot, though. Uh, November 30, he's got one point. <laughs> I hadn't actually looked at this. I knew it was not good. 
that's real bad, though. That's a real problem. The offense, they, they need more offensively from Sam Gerrard, especially if he's going to be manning the second power play unit. Um, and that's that's where his one assist came from. It wasn't even an even strength point. It was, it was uh, a power play point, which is great. You know, you he's on the second unit every night. He needs to be producing. But that's really discouraging. Jesus. One point in a month and a half now. That's not great. Uh and it's and it's not like he's getting crazy uh defensive zone starts either. He's he's getting pretty pretty solid starts, so it's it's not like he's been given an extremely heavy defensive role. That he's got to work his way out of. It's it's just this roster right now. Just it needs something else. It needs a little extra mixture, uh, because right now it's it's the top line and and it's a lot of it just isn't good enough. So I don't know. I don't know how you fix it. I don't know exactly what you do. But it's something's got to change here, uh, and I think the Joe's demotion is is kind of a shot across the bow. Um, it's it's kind of a, a warning sign that hey, the uh, this can't continue. This this losing won't be accepted. Uh, it's just too. It's they've got a problem right now. They're. I'm not going to say they're broken because what does that even mean? Um it's it's just it's it's an overly dramatic thing to say when you're when you're trying to go for effect without actually saying anything. Um so I'm not going to I'm not going to get too dramatic there and oh they're broken. But they've got a, a second line that wouldn't be a second line on pretty much any other team in the NHL right now. Um they you know Soderberg I I all for him getting that job as the 2C. I've been saying all year he needed to be. Uh, Comper, you know, we'll see. Uh, but Colin Wilson, you know, I just don't think he produces at that level. As much as he brings uh, a certain edge, physicality, and, and ability along the wall to the team, trying to trying to ask him to, to produce points in a top six role is, is a big ask for him. And it's been a big ask the whole season. So um, I I think they, they do need to consider trying to go out and get some outside help. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how big that is. But right now, the their offense, it, they just have not developed in the way that uh, the young guys have not developed in, the, in a meaningful way that makes you comfortable moving forward with them as top six options. You know, Alexander Kerfoot hasn't taken a big enough step forward. Stan Andragetto probably has played his way out of the NHL this year. Um, you know, maybe he gets a shot with a with another bottom feeding team like he he did when he got to Colorado. But that's that's the situation we're looking at. That's the situation he's looking at. He's he's not a guy. You know, he's he's a guy with some talent that just can't bring it consistently night to night. Um, there are some flashes of, of real NHL ability and it just isn't there, uh, night to night. And they've given him lots of ice time, lots of opportunity. You know, he's had some injuries, but that's also been part of his issue is that availability has been a bit of a problem. And, you know, what do you, what do you do? And Sheldon Dry has been a nice revelation. Certainly has earned the ELC that the the team gave him. Um, had a nice preseason. You know he's he's uh, been okay with the Avs. I like a lot of what he has done. But again, you're talking you're talking about a guy that just hasn't been able to do anything. And you know when your fourth line is a black hole, you know it it might be a black hole that's. It might be it might be a black hole that is not necessarily negative right now, um, but it why does it need to get to that point for you to be worried? It's not providing them anything. Uh, there's nothing positive about it going on. It's it's just too much. It's 
it's every night you go in saying, well, the fourth line's not going to do anything. Some of that is usage, but why would you also play the fourth line more? They're not doing anything. Uh, so it's it's just a disaster down there right now. So you go in and you say, okay, well, then your other three lines need to step up. Well, Matt Calvert and, and, and Nieto are not going to be... That's not what those guys are. They're they're the occasional chip in points, uh, grinded out defensive guys. You know those are not guys that that you're relying on to get to get points. Okay, great. So now now you're not relying on those guys to get points. You're down to you're down to seven forwards that you're looking for for for, for production. One of those guys is Colin Wilson, who's never been able to really produce at the level expected of him. Um. The one time he did was a, was a contract year. Uh, and even though this is a contract year, it still hasn't been quite good enough. And, you know, Soderberg has been able to. You're fine with him. You know, Comfer started out white hot, but three points in his last nine games, it started to fall off in the same way that it fell off for Kerfoot. So now now you are maybe, I mean, maybe you really are looking at a one-line team right now. And that's that's the frustration. You just don't have a solid enough group right now to go to go to war with every night. And your blue line, which, you know, I was so excited about coming into the start of the year, your blue line, it just hasn't produced the way that you were hoping it would. You know, Tyson Berry's put up points, but Eric Johnson, you know, he's he's put up points lately. So um, the the Eric Johnson numbers are not as bad as, as they had been. Uh, because he's he's found a way to chip in some points recently, you know, and that's that's great. You know, I would say he's got three points over his last six games. That's great. Uh, he's got to score a little more often than that. There's too many zeros uh, on the board right now, and I mean, the guy has 14 points on the season, and three of them came in one game. And so that's just, it just hasn't been good enough for, from EJ. It hasn't been good enough from Sam Gerrard. Uh, Tyson Berry, you know, I, it's, I think it's fair to say the offense has been fine. The offense has been, has largely been good enough. Uh, quarterbacking the power play uh, has not been good for the last month and a half or so, but he's produced points. So, it is what it is there. You know, he's done He's done what largely is being asked of him. He's producing points. Um, Ian Cole has 10 points. That's about, you know, he was a guy that we expected would give 15 to 20 points. So he's done what you want from him. Nikita Zadorov has four goals this year. You know, for a guy that seemingly couldn't buy a goal, um, that's that's encouraging. You know, he's got he now has four. Uh he had seven last year. Um you'd like to see that continue. If he can if he can stay healthy, he can keep in the games and he can stay active. Z is really a big X factor on this team because this is a guy that he he could be an Ian Cole twenty point guy, but he really has the potential to be a little bit more than that. I think he really I've always felt like he certainly had 10 goal potential and he could he could be a guy that gets to uh 30 points on a season. But you know, four goals and two assists, you know, it's it's you need to see more from Z uh in in the assists. You would like to see more offense that he helps create. Um just been just been kind of a kind of a frustration with Z this year and obviously injuries have played a real big role in that uh, as he's only played 36 games so he's he will by the end of the year will have missed a, a, a fair chunk of games here but you do want to see the offense take a step forward from him and and I mean the goalie scored against Ottawa I mean that's a laser and they're, they're in the goalie on earth stopping that thing so you know in 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 saying that it's like okay well where where's that more often you know, we'd like to see, you'd like to see him step into a couple of shots a little bit more frequently. He has the ability; it's there. It's just about unlocking it, and that's that's a real annoyance right now. Is that the defense as a whole 
is just producing so little offense. And they, my hope coming into the year was that the, the blue line was going to help the forward core out, um, help alleviate some of the pressure, some of the scoring pressure from, from those bottom three lines. Uh, that hasn't happened. So we're, we're in a world where it's the top line. Uh, it's, it's Tyson Berry, it's Carl Soderberg, and it's everybody else. That's really discouraging. On that note, I'm going to take my second break here. Come back in. Uh, now that I've talked about everything, I have no idea what I'm talking about for the next segment. So stick around for the great unknown, the mystery box, if you will. And uh, I will be right back. I am AJ Hayfley. It's the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Bev. Stick around. There's nothing more important than family, and for more than 100 years now, customers have turned to Farmers New World Life Insurance Company and agents like Bryce Babcock to help protect the financial security of their loved ones. What makes us different, first off, is we're, we're completely customer service oriented, meaning that our goal is every day to be available. The other piece, too, is that I'm young. I'm 31 years old, and so I'm hungry, and I'm very motivated every single day to continue to make this agency grow, and, and that's just something that you know I, I think that I bring them a lot of other agents do. My initial thought was it's expensive and I just don't have money to invest in my long-term future. Everything I have I need right now. But once I started looking at the options, it's an absolute no-brainer. You can find a life insurance plan that works for you and you should. It's not just about death either. There's whole life insurance policies that actually have cash value that build over time and so on. So Bryce will break all of that down for you for free. The call is a no-brainer. You have to do it. Brandon's 100% right. Plus, Bryce is even giving out a deal specifically for BSN listeners. I'm going to go ahead and send out a $10 Starbucks gift card right right off the bat. And so you don't have to do business with us. You don't have to. There's no payment needed or anything like that. It's something that we're going to do for anyone that comes in from BSN. gives us an opportunity to earn their business. Call 303-996-6509 today. That's 303-996-6509. Hey, BSN fans, your favorite Colorado sports network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer, and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want just go to bsnbars.com and you can get one free coors banquet at any bar on that list all you have to do is show the bartender the vip image on that page in your browser and you can retrieve a free coors banquet beer at any of those bars there are over 20 bars there you're sure to find one close to you it's bsnbars.com find a bar and get a free coors banquet on the house thanks for listening to the bsn denver podcast network all right, welcome back in third and final segment here of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. I am AJ hanging outside along side AJ. Um, it's just me and the ghost uh, up in here tonight. Uh, if you don't believe in ghosts, you're wrong and that's fine. Uh, third segment here, uh, we actually have a couple of podcast questions backed up uh, in the comments section that we haven't gotten to, so uh, I am going to go ahead and get to those. Uh, first question from Chris DeMott. Uh, basically, the question is, is this the time to look at moving Tyson Berry, or do you look at the, do you look at the schedule, shop metrics, recent PDO that suggest a favorable correction to get them in and into the playoffs and stand pat until summer. This might be the one area where I've moved the most on, uh, over the, over the year. Um, I think I would move on from Tyson Berry as soon as possible. I think Barry's place on this defense has probably caused more problems than it's become worth at this point. And I don't mean just his play defensively, I just mean that he is a very high, very, very, very high usage player. And uh, the the success of the power play has started to more or less rely on the success of Tyson Berry. You notice that uh, Miko Rantanen's not even trying to shoot anymore when he is. He's trying to make that little shot pass to the back door uh, in front of the net. Um He's, he's just not shooting it like uh, he should be. Uh, McKinnon's not shooting it with regularity like he should be. 
when things broke down on the power play in in Ottawa and McKinnon was forced and he just said okay he's on the he's on the wrong side of the ice and everything was kind of a mess and all shuffled around he got backed into a spot where his best option was just to suck it up and shoot it and he ended up beating the goaltender for for a goal and it's imagine that when Nathan McKinnon shoots the Avs score goals um you know the 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 fact that Tyson Berry is shooting as much as he is is not a good thing to me he only has uh despite playing four the despite Rantanen playing four more games uh than Tyson Berry uh, Rantanen sits at 119 shots on goal Tyson Berry has 112 uh to me that's a problem Carl Soderberg has 98 to me that's a problem Tyson Berry shouldn't be shooting that much um he's he's a guy that's been good for 10ish goals a season uh, maybe a little more. He's got, a, I think he's got a couple of 14 goal seasons uh, in his career. So, ah, tennis goals. Jeez, AJ. Doing him a disservice here. 13, 12, 13, 7, and 14. So, uh, the shooting has been down for him quite a bit this year in terms of uh, the shooting percentage. But my real problem is that it's they're too reliant on, on Barry's shooting. And I think if you just remove Barry from the equation, you have more of a free-flowing uh, offensive concept between your better players. And, hey, like Tyson Barry is one of your better offensive guys, so it's not a huge complaint here. But you have Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen at the top of the NHL scoring lead uh, leaderboard in the top five. You've got two guys in the top five, and for some reason, your power play isn't totally built around those two guys. Uh, it's it's all about getting the puck up high to to Barry because Barry's actually willing to shoot it. You know, McKinnon's gotten really cute about when he wants to shoot uh, instead of just keeping it simple and just grip it and rip it. Uh, Rantanen, same thing. I think Rantanen has gotten way too shaded towards the playmaking side of the game uh, with 50 assists in 47 games. That obviously is a part of his game that is it, that exists and is fine. Uh, that it's it's definitely there, but this is a guy whose best attribute might be his shot, and he's just not utilizing it enough. You know, we've we've seen in his career, he can shoot for a for a very high percentage. You know, his rookie year he had twenty goals and he shot fifteen percent. Last year he had twenty nine goals, he shot sixteen percent. This year he's got twenty one goals and he shot seventeen point six percent. He's an elite shooter. Shoot the puck, dude. So, um, my problem with Barry and the reason why I'm saying I would move him um, is because I think they they need to just kind of get that that out of their own heads. They need to get him out of the out of the element. They need to remove him. They need to move on from him. Um, the hard part is finding the value there. You know, you're removing 50 points from your lineup that you don't get elsewhere. So you've got to make sure that you're getting something of a very high value in return. That's the question. What do they get in return? Um, and I know that there are people out there. Oh, they need to, they they need to they need to move on from Barry while he still has value. It's not like his value is going anywhere. He's an elite offensive defenseman. It's it's gonna be fine. Um, it's just that that's not really what this team needs at this time, in my opinion. Um, I think they need to try and balance what they have a little. They're too top heavy. They need to balance a little bit more. And I think Barry is is kind of a the 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 guy in their defensive lineup that's causing a, a lot of issues uh, right now. You know, you're either you're either on the top pair or you're on the bottom pair because Ian Cole and Tyson Barry are entrenched as your second pairing. And while that's been one of the second better second pairings in the NHL this year. You don't want you you don't want to have a better second pairing come at the expense of having a good first pairing, and right now Gerard and Johnson, uh, Gerard needs a, a, a minutes cut. He needs uh, he needs to just break a little bit. Um, you know, maybe get down to the 17, 16, 17 minutes a night uh, to relax a little bit and to kind of kind of reset because right now it's Gerard's. It's just not it's not working with him on really any level. The defense has been shoddy. The offense has been non-existent. Uh, you know, the last two games he played under 17 minutes 
in Ottawa. He played 1435 in Toronto. Uh, that, I think 14 might be a little extreme, but uh, the 16-17 area where he played in Ottawa, I think is probably more appropriate uh, because they he just his play has just not been good enough. I think um, Zadorov with Johnson gives you um, a different look, and and you know maybe even Ian Cole with 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 uh, Johnson and Zadorov next to Barry. And you drop Gerard down to a quote unquote third pairing, but you you even out the minutes a lot more instead of having these specialized roles like they've got now. Um, I I just don't I I just don't think that they can continue to work around the entire team concept right now is kind of working around Tyson Berry, and I think that's that's a tough way for them to to go. Tyson Berry is a hell of a player. He's a hell of a guy. Um, but I don't, I don't know that you want to continue to live and die by his success. Uh, one power play goal this year from Barry, uh, that's a big issue for me, especially because so much of what they're trying to do is shoot. So, uh, is have him shoot the puck. Very, very frustrating for me. So to, to answer, I think I would look at moving Tyson, um, it's tough to pull off the in-season blockbuster like that. There are a million considerations. Um, so maybe it doesn't happen at the deadline, but I'm more convinced than ever that it needs to happen certainly this summer. Um, I would move on from him, and I would just call it a day. Um, next question, Nels. This is a super long comment, but the the... I'm not going to read all of it. The question is basically... What makes you think uh, that Cout and Bowers are better options for the Av- for helping the Avs this year than Greer is? Um, well, th- I think they're both higher upside players. I think they're, they're both better prospects. I think they're both going to be better pros. Um, and I, this is in response to our give me, give me One Player That Could Help podcast we did uh, a couple days ago. Um, and that's that's why I have that. I uh, Bowers is a center. Right now they've got Sheldon Dries as a center. Uh, on your fourth line, we don't know what Kamenev's status is, so uh, it's you know that's that's where I'm coming from is that Bowers could could solidify the center spot. Uh, I'm I've always been a big believer in Bowers. He's been good at BU, one of the few guys who's actually been good at BU. Uh, he drives his line. He actually does what he uh, he he does pretty well here. Uh, I would suggest watching him play and not scouting off a box score and saying his point production or whatever, because Bowers has been one of the better players for the Terriers this year. Um, had a hell of a year, and I he'll push for an NHL spot next year. Kaut, same thing. Kaut's been, Kaut's been really good for the Eagles and getting better as the year has gone on, which is, of course, what you want to see. Uh, he's He's got a higher offensive upside than A.J. Greer. He's going to be a better NHL player than A.J. Greer. So that's why I say those guys are better fits. Uh, I certainly haven't given up on Greer. I I'm frustrated that the Avalanche seem to have. Um, Greer is. Uh, I don't really know what to feel about AJ Greer in the NHL anymore. You just he just hasn't gotten a consistent extended look where he's gotten meaningful minutes to do something. You look at Tyson Jost and they gave him a hundred and some odd game. They gave him like a hundred and ten games. To convince him that he needed more work in the AHL, that something was off. Uh, Greer has gotten a grand total of maybe 100 minutes in the NHL to convince them of that. And so it's weird that the the sliding scales there are in play. Uh, AJ Greer has been great for the Eagles this year. He's been uh, as, as good as he could be expected. Point per game guys are usually uh, AAA veteran um, AHL guys like Andrew Agazzino. So for him to for for Greer to produce as he was for so much of the AHL season is very impressive. Um, I think he needs to be on this roster. There's nothing Gabe Bork brings to the ice that uh, can't be said for this. The, the same can't be said for AJ Greer. Uh, so I'm I don't understand why the team is reluctant and seemingly uninterested in providing AJ Greer an ample opportunity. Uh, I'm nervous about the trade deadline this year because it feels like they're going to do with Greer like they did Bigra last year, where they just move on from him. 
Um, and while Begraw hasn't done anything to make them regret that, and uh, Ryan Graves has made that look like a, a pretty good swap overall, um, I'm just not... I'm not looking forward to deadline day this year in the same way because I think that the writing is on the wall that they are probably going to give up on Greer and that that frustrates me and that disappoints me. Uh, no More Rats has uh, talks a lot about Phil Kessel. His question is, what about checking with L.A. on Jonathan Quick? There were rumors earlier in the season that they were shopping him. He's not that much older than Patrick was and he's got two cups. Um, although, of course, he's not saying he's Patrick Waugh. Uh, but I suppose he's a little long in the tooth to match the Avs window, and he's become injury-prone. Bob would be a much better solution. Um, you know, with Quick, Quick's actually kind of an interesting idea, because how much value is he going to provide to a rebuilding Kings team? Um, he's signed for four more years at $5.8 He's already 32 years old. And as mentioned, he's started to have some injury issues. Uh, but even then, last year, I mean, he played 64 games and had a 921 save percentage. Pretty solid. Now, this year, behind that god-awful Kings team, he's at a 907 save percentage in 22 games so far. Um, so it's it's not... I don't know. It's Quick is an interesting idea because what uh, you're concerned, obviously, about the age. You're concerned about the injuries. You're concerned about the effectiveness. Uh, but we've seen goaltenders consistently have been able to maintain a certain level throughout their 30s. Uh, they're not like skaters where by 32 or 33, you're like, oh, that guy's, we're waiting for that guy to fall off the cliff any day. You know, there are a handful of guys that have gotten older in the NHL at, at the goaltender position and continue to be effective. Um, quick is signed through his his age 36 season, and at $5.8 million, it's it's expensive, but it's also the same price that you're essentially paying Varley now. Um, so you would be doubling down on that price for another four years, and you'd be getting an older goaltender, but you'd be getting a guy that's been remarkably co consistent in his career. Now, I think he's been overrated uh, when people talk about him as like a Hall of Fame guy. I'm not in, in I'm not there with him. He had. He, he's won two Stanley Cups, uh, but one Stanley Cup run he was unbelievably good in, and the other uh, they won despite his poor play. Uh, he had one of the worst um, Stanley Cup winning goaltending seasons of all time that year, if I if I recall correctly, and uh, was not very good in that post the 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 second Cup run that they made. Um, so it not very. The, the whole Stanley Cup thing has kind of been overblown a little bit, but that's this is a guy that he's produced some exceptional NHL seasons, but his real value is in the fact that he's he's pretty plug-and-play. You can rely on him to give you about a 917 save percentage, more or less every year. Now, every once in a while, he gets above that, and he has a phenomenal year, and occasionally he's gotten below that, and he's had a very down year. Uh, so, and like with all goaltenders, you're rolling the dice, but more often than not, Quick has been um, right in that 917 range, and I think for this Avalanche team, that would be perfect if they could get 917 goaltending out of their starter. Uh, that would be that'd be great. I, I think most every team in the NHL would take that um, as a baseline. And for 5.8 million, you know, you're not messing around. If you were to go get Bobrovsky, you're gonna have to pay him whatever he wants in UFA this year. You could be talking about seven, eight, nine million dollars uh, versus what Quick is making at five point eight. So, and again with them, them getting geared up for a, a real rebuild where they're all they're very, very old already. They need to get much younger, um, and I think they've got a goaltender in the future on their hands and um, the kid from Notre Dame that they Cal Peterson. I really like him. We'll see how he does. Uh, he played really well for uh, for the Kings earlier this year when Quick was hurt. I think they've got a real player there. Uh, so I think it's an interesting idea. I, I definitely would not rule out uh, the Jonathan Quick idea. I think it's very interesting. Um, again, though, that's probably more of a summer conversation than trade deadline. But, but given that now, you know, now that there's only four years remaining on that contract – 
5.8 million is not an exorbitant amount of money and the actual salary that he gets paid starts to go down a lot in those last couple of years it'd be real easy to sell to management that you're going to pay a goaltender two and a half million dollars for for your, your starting uh gig here in a couple of years so that's it's an intriguing idea that I hadn't thought about and makes a lot of sense for a rebuilding team. Um, I don't really know what the Kings' goals are. I don't know how how serious they are about rebuilding, so it's, it's tough for me to say if he'd be available or not. I think logically it makes perfect sense because, again, you're going to be trotting out there uh, a goaltender with value that you're paying a lot of money to lose you games every night, and that's, you know, I don't know. To me, I feel like they would have competing ideals there. They're not going to compete the rest of uh, that contract. I don't feel like they're likely to compete uh, in their in their kickstart of a rebuild. So why not? Um, random question, also from uh, No More Rats. He says, out of the blue, I decided to look up Kim Morrison's numbers yesterday to see if maybe he's making some progress this year towards not sucking. Uh, he's got uh, 14 points in 17 games, so it's not been a bad bounce back. You guys hearing anything about the Avs' opinion on him? What might happen with him uh, at the end of the year? I'll say it again. After not being all that noticeable in rookie camp, when it came time to play the three-on-three game, he looked pretty damn decent, like a very Landy Light. Um, with Morrison, uh, I've talked to some guys around the team a little bit. Uh, they're... They're very intrigued about Morrison. I know some other teams around the league. I've talked to some some of their amateur guys, and they have also expressed interest in Morrison. Um, I like Cam Morrison. I've always been his biggest fan. I know a lot of people have already given up on him and think he's a scrubbo. I think Cam Morrison, uh, he's got a lot of boomer bust to him. Uh, getting him out of Notre Dame, which is a very offensively oppressive system, especially for a power forward like Morrison, where all they ask him to do is just go stand in front of the net and try to deflect pucks and be a big body. Um, I think getting him out of there will be really helpful, and I think getting him... Uh, I, I very much envision him... I think he could absolutely play the role that um, Colin Wilson is playing for the Avalanche right now, but the skating is still a concern for me. But he's got great size. He's always had a great shot. He's always been able to bury pucks. Um I think he's had a, a nice year at Notre Dame. Uh, I would sign him at the end of this year. I don't know what one more year does for him that he al- he would not already um, have accomplished. Um, I, I think he needs to get out of there, uh, and I think he would be a very intriguing guy, especially if they did move on from A.J. Greer at the, the deadline. Um, Cam Morrison would then kind of become that guy, kind of the big body guy in, in the avalanche forward system. Um, he's, he's a guy that I still like. I'm still high on the hope is that he becomes Anders Lee. Uh, you know, easy comparison, Notre Dame guy to Notre Dame guy, power forward to power forward. Um, that's, that's an obvious, like that's a moonshot, right? Like Anders, Anders leaves a guy that's scored 40 goals in the, in the NHL. So, um, you know, that's, that would obviously be a, a, a big step. Uh, and Anders Lee was also, um, significantly more productive, uh, at Notre Dame than Cam Morrison has been. Um, but Hey, that's the hope, right? So, um, I would, I would still sign him at the end of this year. I'd give him the deal and I would let him go and do his thing. Uh, I think that they still have a prospect in him. I know others disagree, but that's fine. Uh, I like his game, and I think it's he's very much a guy that Colorado could use in that he's a much bigger physical presence that can that can get after it, and he's very you know very mature defensively. Uh, you'd hope after three years at Notre Dame that would be the case, and I think it def- it definitely is. So. Um, I like him. I would like to see him signed. I think that would be good. Um, this has now gone on long enough for me to have justified a third segment. I'm going to pay one last bill and then get out of here for the day. Um, you guys know that, uh, total beverage is our, not only our presenting sponsor, but one of our longest running sponsors, uh, one of our best sponsors and, uh, uh, 
you know, for those of us that that uh, that live in the area here, uh, uh, really the liquor the liquor store that you guys should be uh, frequenting for for all of your your alcohol needs. They deliver to most of the metro area now, from Wheat Ridge to Erie. They have the lowest prices in the state. They're locally owned and operated, uh, which is always appealing to us Colorado native folks. Um, so you're you're helping out the local guy, and you know how much we all love that that local guy, especially as a local uh, local company with a bunch of Colorado native employees. Um, just remember, promo code BSN10 saves you ten dollars off of a fifty dollar order for any of your any of your purchases on the website and the app. Have it delivered straight to your door. Promo code BSN10. So make sure you guys check that out. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, I'll be back tomorrow, assuming with the gang. I'm assuming Adrian will be around. I'm assuming Jesse will be around. Um, so we should have a full full slate for a Friday show as we uh, lead up to uh, Saturday's afternoon game against the LA Kings. Um, I am AJ Hayfley. Appreciate, uh, appreciate you guys listening. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Beverage. I will uh, see you guys tomorrow.